you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here. Yeah, no, you're, it's you. Yeah. Uh, do you find joy in helping people? Do you also ever so coincidentally start out your morning, midday, afternoon, or evening with a nice steamy cup of joe? Mmm, fancy. Well, so I want to tell you about free lunch coffee. When you buy just one bag of their coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need. And free lunch coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. Beyond that amazing cause, free lunch coffee has great coffee that is specialty grade, certified organic, fair trade. Did someone say stocking stuffer? Okay. They also offer a one 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't like the coffee, they will give you a full refund and you can keep the coffee. So you literally have nothing to lose. Here's my favorite part. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to depressed and shit listeners like you. Use the coupon code bummed out at checkout. Check them out at freelunchcoffee.com. Welcome to Depressed and Shit. I know what you're thinking. An advertisement, oh my god, they must be like some real NPR level legit now. <laughs> but like, hey, if you ever had doubts on the legitimacy of depressed and shit, then you can get the hell out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, we are still a new entity, like that's totally fact, but we are growing fast and it's freaking me out a little bit. So, yo, if you're new here, the warmest of welcomes to the Depressed and Shit community. I'm your host, Leah Mata. I'm so glad you're taking your mental health into your own badass hands. Let's start talking about this shit more. First things first, I am not a therapist. I am a regular old millennial interested in hearing other millennial and Gen Z folks lived experiences with mental health. We're all about lived experiences, especially those sort of, you know, generally centered around the fucking nightmare that is this pandemic. You might agree with a lot of what you hear. That's great. And you may also disagree with some stuff, too. And I think those two things are equally important because mental health is messy and talking about mental health is even messier. Although I have been noticing since I've started this podcast, people have just been coming out of the woodworks down to talk. So I feel like if you just give yourself or your community permission to talk about the shit that they're feeling, they will. People just need permission. They need a little nudge. So mental health is messy. Yeah. Hmm. Let's get fucking filthy. <laughs> That sounded so creepy. Just in time for this filthy holiday season. Okay, that being said, today's episode is a bit of a twofer. Like two for the price of one. Our depressed guest today is an old buddy of mine from my restaurant working days. She is looking down the road at all the feels surrounding the holidays. Sound relatable? Her name is Hannah M. Hines. She lives in LA with her hot hubby, and that's hubby, like husband, and um, little baby daughter, which brings me to explain the twofer aspect. So before diving into how she's vibing with this I'll call it unique, special year with Thanksgiving. And then eventually Christmas, the December holiday that Hannah, you know, as an individual observes and is a big, big fan of. Before all that, first, she shares her story encountering and living with pregnancy-related PTSD, like over the past two years. That's all I'll say. I'll leave the storytelling up to the storyteller. But I will say, if you're feeling weird about Thanksgiving this year, 
Welcome to being human. Thanksgiving this year is so confusing for so many reasons. You are not alone. I know like for me, I've been working to decolonize my understanding of North American history. And so the national observed holiday that is Thanksgiving really throws all that into fucking chaos. Or maybe, you know, you're a person that doesn't really have a comfortable relationship with Thanksgiving, the gobble gobble day for family related reasons. And dude, that's totally real too. Hannah offers some really great insight on like managing conflicting emotions that I'm excited to offer you because I think you could find it helpful no matter your relationship to Thanksgiving. Next week, we hear from a man who's been in major transition in all aspects of the word, a relationship, work, his gender over the course of the pandemic. And I think it is so, so dope and a necessary addition to the depressed and shit canon. So stay tuned for that. If you dig this series, please, please drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You could do it right now while you're listening. Just open the app, uh, scroll down, find those purple sexy little stars and just hit all five. Or you can DM us on Instagram with stories, feedback. I'm always really interested in feedback, okay? Since I'm a solo host, feedback is really helpful. Enough of that business shit. Here's Hannah M. Hines. So as you put it, today we'll be discussing the sort of collision of grief and gratitude Mm -hmm. that is inevitably approaching us all as the holidays arrive in this utter shitstorm of a year. Yes. Thanksgiving is pretty much here, which is, uh-huh. you know, a holiday that celebrates gratitude. Right. Although some pessimists might say it's just like shoving down our throats of gratitude, but right. it, ce- it celebrates gratitude. So I'd love to start this conversation on the tough stuff. Okay. So, so a massive part of your story today with mental health centers around your pregnancy, but can you briefly tell us about your relationship with depression and mental health in general prior sure. to that? Yeah, I, I had experienced depression and anxiety pretty significantly uh, when I was about 18 or 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened kind of concurrently with also a health crisis, like physical health crisis. Oh. Um, and so I had learned at that, t- it took me forever to like finally take uh, the advice to like try out therapy and maybe even an SSRI, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it took me forever, but you know, early in life, um, I guess you could say 18 or 19 is early. I kind of learned like, Oh, my mental health is something that I need to be sort of protective of proactive about. And I felt like it was pretty, like it was very successful. Like therapy really helped me. And eventually like medication really helped me. And I like entered this very long phase of just really good mental health. That's amazing. So like the support systems that were offered to you worked. Yeah. It, it, you know, the biggest obstacle was myself. I, and I just was so reticent to do therapy. Um, I was reticent to, I know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. What is that? And like when you, when we had talked about doing this interview, my hope was like, maybe if I can tell people how great therapy is, they won't wait as long as I waited the first time. You know what I mean? Cause I just, I was so resistant. So yeah, I went through this like long stretch of like, okay, 
my mental health is really stable. Like you said, like everything had sort of worked for me and, um, and then ended up dealing with some pretty significant mental health problems in, in pregnancy and postpartum. So a couple of years ago, you're pregnant yes. for the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's going good for like a good chunk of the pregnancy. Things yeah. are looking fine and healthy and optimistic, right? Yes. Yeah. And, but then something massive changed. Yeah. Before, uh, before I had gotten pregnant, I had had like an injury while I was exercising that uh, was in hindsight, we realized severely underestimated. Oh. Um, I had, I'd hurt my back and I thought, oh, I threw out my back and that sucks and was like doing physical therapy and, and then got pregnant. We got pregnant. We were fortunate and then we got pregnant like right away, which was somewhat unexpected, but like, <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a few months after this injury that I thought was no big deal, I got pregnant and got about halfway through the pregnancy and started having really horrific, debilitating pain, started to think, oh, maybe that, that, maybe that injury was actually much more significant. And we know wow. now that it was like final injury, but that's I, what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. Was it your spinal cord? A lot of people talk about herniated discs. What this was, was an annular tear, which is where the outside of the disc gets ripped. Oh my God. Um, it's as fun as it sounds. And, um, we didn't know, I didn't have a lot of symptoms that typically come along with that until I had a growing baby pressing on it. A ton of extra pounds in the, in the center of your body. Yes. And, (sighs) and also like all the loosening of your like ligaments and and joints that accompanies pregnancy, like destabilize the injury. And so totally unexpectedly about halfway, probably about like four and a half months, five months into the pregnancy started having really debilitating pain. Right. And that was when you left the restaurant, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't work. Okay. So, so shit. So that sounded really, that sounds insanely physically taxing at that point in time. Was that mentally taxing as well? Or does the mental taxation sort of come later in the process? It it increased over time. I Mm. saw a few different doctors and an orthopedic doctor kind of, he was so kind, but he sort of like as nicely as possible tried to tell me like, this is only going to get worse as your belly gets bigger. This is only going to get more painful as you get more pregnant and he said it in a nicer way but he was like uh basically he was saying you're shit out of luck yes and and it's crazy how difficult it is to treat pain in a pregnant woman is that for fear of putting drugs in the body or yeah Yeah, very little very little is approved um so I was having a hard time finding people who would even like even an acupuncturist who would treat me because it's like a lot of them their malpractice insurance is doesn't cover caring for a pregnant woman and basically in a nutshell, like all they can do for you is Tylenol. Um, so I was literally just like staring down the barrel of a third trimester with nothing, but yeah, that's what I take for a light headache. That's exactly it. It's like, (sighs) I mean, there are more intense things they can do, but they, they really try not to do anything, you know what I mean? Because they're so, they want to protect mom and baby. And of course I didn't want to do anything that was going to risk my child's health, but I was also my physical mental health were like rapidly deteriorating. Pregnancy sounds like the most confusing time because like you're so excited. You're about to have a kid, yeah, but then you're also terrified of everything. Yeah. It's, it's like a collision of hormone. Well, like we talked about collision feelings, like you've got just hormones like raging too, which makes everything like so much more intense, you know, the emotional experience is so intense. So then you had shared with me that you experienced 
pregnancy related PTSD. Is this mm-hmm. pre-pregnancy or something that happened after you gave birth? After to your I was like, not, I didn't really know much of anything about PTSD. I yeah. sort of had this so like, what the hell is pregnancy? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's just PTSD. Sorry. That, in my case, yeah, it has that. to do with pregnancy. I mean, I'm, I just thought of PTSD as like, this is, I had such a narrow view of what trauma was. I'm like, oh, so trauma and PTSD are like veterans and assault survivors. You right. know, like I, I had no understanding of like what trauma could be and no idea, even when I was in the midst of something that in hindsight was really traumatic. Um, I had no idea that it was going to manifest as PTSD later, you know, um, I had, so no how did it manifest, I guess, in like the real physical ways? Yeah, it was, it was wild. So like, listen, I won't get too gruesome for your audience, but like okay, after okay. you have a baby, a lot of weird crap happens with your body in like your first couple weeks postpartum. It's rough, yeah. right? You're recovering. Your physical recovery is rough and all sorts of just weird stuff is going on, especially if it's your first time having a baby, like your milk comes in, like it's just wild. I started having- Sounds traumatic just in and of itself. It's it's crazy. And it's like, it's beautiful, but it's nuts. And so I sort of started having these spells where I would tremor, like shake pretty violently. Um, Almost like when you have a fever. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't have a fever. And I was like, oh- this is just a weird postpartum thing that none of the other moms told me about. And I talked to some other friends who given birth and they were like, no, that didn't, that didn't happen to me. And I was oh. like, oh, or I would wake up in drenched in sweat. I mean, like we're talking just like absolute night sweat, like night terrors, night sweats kind of thing. And I thought, oh, well, like my hormones are all over the place. So I guess I just have the sweats, but it was like, actually, no, you know what I mean? Like my body. Oh yeah, my God. Felt so really, what, at what yeah. point did you realize what you were experiencing was PTSD. How did you come to that therapy with your therapist? Yeah. I, a few months later was just still kind of struggling with overwhelm, not as much of like shaking, tremoring or some of the more extreme stuff that was happening just in the first couple of weeks is when that kind of peaked for me. But I saw a therapist a few months later and I was describing this to her and I said, yeah, you know, it it was just like sort of crazy. It was like sort of traumatic. And she kind of paused and just very deliberately in the wonderful calm way that like therapists say are deliberate. She said, I would say that that was trauma. And I was like, oh yeah. Ding. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was just like, yeah, you know, like sort of traumatic, like I had no, and then for her to really like name it in that way. So deliberately I was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, and that's when I sort of started to piece together all of these sort of weird physical manifestations of this that that's really interesting. I Mm. I think what you said earlier about trauma or like our perceptions of PTSD, Mm. I I can relate to that. Like I associate it with, you know, veterans and maybe even like childhood trauma is a sort of like kitchen sink phrase and a very real thing. But Mm -hmm. I feel like in the way during the pandemic, and we'll get into this later, my understanding have gr- of grief has expanded. Yes. My understanding of trauma has also expanded. Yes. Ballooned out. And you start to see all of these other really gnarly traumatic things mm-hmm. that can happen to your life mm-hmm. beyond childhood. Yeah. That was, uh, I feel similarly. Did, did being able to identify, being able to label your experiences as PTSD, did that help? It certainly... Uh, gave 
therapy a good direction of like, oh, so this is kind of what we're dealing with. Cause I didn't have postpartum depression. You know, I was all prepared for that. Because <laughs> right. Right. You hear so much about it I know. and I had dealt with depression before. So I like had a game plan, you know? So I was like, okay, here's what PPD is. And if I feel these things, here's what I'm going to do. You know, I was like, so yeah, it was kind of like having a name for it was like, oh, while it was kind of annoying in the sense that it's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have that. It also is helpful because then you can like treat it. You know what I mean? Well, that's good. Sometimes it just takes telling our story to someone else and then it to someone else. It's like so fucking obvious. <laughs> right, right. And you feel like, oh, <laughs> you're like, how did I miss that? Yes, absolutely. It sort of reminds me of this conversation I was having with a, a therapist in training not too long ago about how mm-hmm. I have this big issue with the concept of boundaries and how setting boundaries never works, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I went on this long tirade. And then at one point he looked at me and he was just like, but what if you just set the boundary? <laughs> and did it, you might be surprised. And I was mm. like, fuck you. You're yeah. right. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those wonderful things when you have a really good therapist, it's like they have these in, they're able to have insights that we're so blind to, you know right. what I mean? Like we just don't see it. Are you yeah. still experiencing any of these PTSD symptoms now as a, as a, I guess, a new ish mother in the pandemic? I, w- I want so much pandemic. I want so much for my answer to be like, nope, I'm good. Like, right, right. All, but course. that's not true. Yeah. I found, um, I discovered this last year and it's, it's been true again this year that because this is the time of year that it all happened that I get into this time of year and it's like my body's responses to things are just really heightened. Like, so it's just, it is more difficult. It was like much, much better for a while. And then I kind of get into this time of year and certain things start to feel familiar or remind me of that experience. And it, this time of year is hard for me. This time of year, meaning like going November, into December. the winter. Yeah. Because my, the months that I was on bed rest. Oh, so it's like a direct memory. Yeah. yeah it just feels, and there's a part of me that's like, how is this still going on? I mean, it's obviously less significant than it was and I'm doing better than I was, but it's still there. And of course the fun wrench of all this is that the, the reality of the world has just stacked Woo! all the cards against you, you yes. know, in a way that you or any of us were yeah. not prepared for, had not any idea what's coming. All. I went into 2020. I remember telling my therapist that I was really hoping that 2020, it, I almost like, I can't even say it without laughing now. Cause it seems so ridiculous. I was hoping this would be a year of stasis and Mm. calm because we'd had so much change. I was like, oh, I'm hoping this is going to be a year of stasis. And then the world turned upside down. You know, I was not ready at all. That reminds me to ask, I loved your comment that you shared before this interview on how healing and mental health is not linear, like not a linear process. Can you expand on that? Oh man, I have such a, okay. (laughs) As like someone who's just very type A planner, you know, like wants things to just like sort of check things off my list and move forward. Like the fact that like your emotional and especially my physical healing has been like up and down and like one step forward, two steps back, sometimes two steps forward, one step back. It just messes with my head. It's like, I don't, I want it to be sort of like clean and make sense, but like trauma doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like none of this makes sense. It's just, it's messy. And I, 
grief is that way too. Like if you've ever grieved someone or something like you're kind of, I don't want to sound like a victim of it, but like you're at grief's mercy a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. like grief, grief takes you on a journey. You don't take grief on a journey and you go through all sorts of stages and very intensities. And it's just, it's nonlinear. And that's so hard. It's nonlinear. And the other thing about mental health is that it's, it's all subjective, like physical health, you can get a CAT scan and they can see whatever's sure. wrong with you, you know? Right, right. Like mental health is just all of us talking about our feelings and telling others what we're going through. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like conjecture. Mm. So in that way too, it's everything is just kind of perpetually in motion, mm-hmm. never officially fixed, quote unquote. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you're someone who is definitely a destination person and not someone who enjoys the journey, right? <laughs> it could be really frustrating. Yeah. There's no getting negative or positive test results with mental yes. health. <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah. Okay, great. So now, so yes, nonlinear, the sort of all over the place aspect of healing. I feel like this is a good time to move towards talking about how you're feeling with the holidays coming up and the conflicting emotions you're feeling Mm -hmm. right now that my presumption is many, many, many people can relate to. What are the conflicting emotions you're experiencing right now? Well, I think it's, so much, I mean, there's, we're all grieving to a certain extent this year, right? Like you had mentioned, like your your concept of grief expanding, like we have to grieve our expectations for the year, right? We have to grieve the loss of support and community. Yes. And oh, thank you so much for saying that grief comes in so many forms. It's hobbies not, and it's not yeah. isolated to losing a loved one, which is very right. significant, but it's just of not, course. it's not isolated to that. Right. Yeah. It's like, you can grieve something intangible, which was such a hard thing for me to sort of wrap my head around of like, right. Cause I associate it with the death of a loved one, which is obviously a significant and very real way to experience grief, but you can grieve things that are intangible. And I think we're all grieving some intangible and maybe tangible things this year. And then we go into Thanksgiving and we all feel like we're supposed to be super grateful, right? Like, Mm-hmm. And I think I used to think that gratitude was an antidote for grief. Oh, like, interesting. Like if I was just grateful enough, the grief wouldn't feel so heavy, you know, or like sadness or whatever. But what I've learned, especially in motherhood, is that two emotions that are in direct conflict with one another can exist in you at the same time. Yeah. Like when you have a young child, you can love them with a love that is so big. And at the same time, be like, my God, please stop touching me. I need a break from you. Yeah. And you feel them simultaneously. It's so disorienting. Right. You know? And so it's like, and I feel like the pandemic year has been a lot of that of like, yeah, of like, I, for example, if you're happy with how the election went, um, you can be like super relieved, but also still very much in grief over so many of the other things that are weighty this year. Dude, I think this whole year has been a nightmare for like just the concept of gratitude in general, mm. because like this whole year, I feel like I've been forcing myself to be grateful for everything that I have, mm-hmm. for what I have, but we can't only be grateful and not also allow ourselves space to right. grieve the very tangible aspects of life we've lost. Exactly. It's like, can we hold space for both of those things? I hope. You know what I mean? I hope so. It's and I've hard. been I've been doing a shit job of it. 
well, I think we, we're all, it feels like we're all learning as we go this year, right? Like, cause absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. These realizations that I've had about grief, I've only come to realize these things since maybe July at the earliest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they were so like an indelible part of our lives, right? Being able to gather, being able to leave the house or, you know, whatever, It sounds like your ability to sort of navigate grief versus gratitude, you've gotten good at it. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I think it's just, I think when I just gave myself permission to not try to use gratitude as an antidote for grief, if I was only more grateful, this would feel less heavy or less hard when it's like, well, I think it's important that I feel grateful and it's important that I allow this to be heavy and hard. As yeah, it it's the it's like the and instead of the but or the that's or. exactly it. Yeah, right, it's, right, right. I mean, I'm trying. I don't know. I feel like I'm sure so many of us is like day by day, just doing the best that you can. Some days I'm successful, and some days I'm really not. And I wake up and I'm like, I need to get my head right because I'm in a not in a great headspace today. But it's it's mm-hmm. tough. It's do tough- do you guys have little Thanksgiving plans? What are your what are the traditions you're Going to uphold no yeah. matter what. <laughs> well, so normally we would do like a big Friendsgiving. It's like a whole thing. It's themed. It's like very involved. Obviously this year, that's not going to be the case, but uh, we're fortunate enough. We have a really large patio. And so nice. we are going to have two people over and eat outside cool. on the patio. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we'll still do the turkey. I have a stuffing recipe that's like my great grandmother's that I just, it's like my favorite thing I eat all year. I'll make that, you know, so we will be able to kind of keep some things the same. That's good. But, that sounds yeah. kind of similar to my plans. Um, yeah. So originally my parents and my sisters, my parents and one sister live in Chicago and my other mm-hmm. lives in San San Francisco. They all mm-hmm. had plans to come here for Thanksgiving oh. with this sort of, you know, there was always this like tentative, like, we'll see, you know, sure. book the flights, right, book the right. Airbnb, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then truthfully, to my relief, the plans got canceled mm-hmm. just last week, not that long ago. Honestly. Yeah, because we're all kind <laughs> of like waiting to see, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, but I was relieved because yeah. I was so nervous mm-hmm. about my folks who are 70 years old, sure. not, not necessarily catching something on the airplane itself, but just catching something anywhere in transit or being in a new city. I know we have like pending Christmas plans, but I'm really starting to like prepare myself for the possibility that we will probably be just here, you know, like just be home. That was my next question. How are you feeling? So screw Thanksgiving. How are you feeling about the (sighs) December holidays, which at least I personally hold with more weight than Thanksgiving. Christmas (laughs) is it. I'm going to be very honest. The Christmas that we had while I was very pregnant and very in pain was the crappiest, Aww. most terrible day, Yeah, the most terrible Christmas. And so I'm like, I just don't want to repeat crappy Christmas. And obviously it won't be the same, right? Like I'm not super pregnant, you know, like there's just so much that's different, but I'm just like, no, like I want my Colorado Christmas. You know what I mean? Like I want to see my family. I want to love on them. And and so it is sad to think that we could be here, but I'm also trying to sort of problem solve like, okay, if we do end up here, what can we do to make this as joyful as a day of a day as possible while still kind of acknowledging that it's going to be sad? Like there's no getting around like it. That's so real. There's going to yeah. be a tinge of sadness no matter what we do. There's no, there's no erasing that. Like, so it's like, okay, how can I, while acknowledging the fact that it, it's going to be sad, make it special? Um, and also my daughter's at an age where she 
can enjoy and participate more this year. Like last year she was like 10 months old. So she was right. just kind of like, Ooh, shiny tree, you know, like just didn't, whereas like this year, I think she'll actually get excited about presents and opening them and like that kind of stuff. So I'm going to try and like lean more into the magic of like, how can I make this day magical for her? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll say I've never been one to buy Christmas decorations for my personal apartment because I've always wound up just going back to my folks house for a week or two and basking in the luxury of all the Christmas decor they've acquired over decades. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, This is the first year where I'm like, oh shit. I think I need to like buy some freaking Christmas decorations yep. just to feel normal. Yeah. And it's in LA. It doesn't, you know, right. This is already such an odd place. It's so tropical. For, yeah. Right. And so I, I was just talking to my husband today because we've never had a real tree before. We always get a fake one. Oh, okay. Because we always go home, you yep. know, like yep. to see family. So why get a real tree? And so I was like, I think this is the year, like trying to, yeah, trying to make the most of it. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird year. If you, hmm. If you had one piece of advice for, let's make it specific. If you okay. had one piece of advice for a young, a young, a newer young mother mm. with her family looking at this bizarro holiday season, what's some advice you would give her to make it feel a little good? I think reframing the situation like, I have the opportunity to start traditions with my own new family, like my little immediate family, my child and my partner help sort of reframing instead of like, oh God, like we're missing out on X, Y, Z, which I mean, granted, like feel the feelings about that. I'm not saying to like suppress that, but if you can think of it as like, I have the opportunity to make this special for my child. I think that that's helpful. And it's, there's something really incredible about like, I have a, a, my daughter's in like early toddlerhood and there's such a sense of wonder in that Mm, stage mm -hmm. that is so magical to watch. I bet. Um, And the holidays also has such a feeling of like wonder, right? Like that's just sort of like the through line, I don't know, feeling at least for me. And so it's special to have a young child who's already awed by like every blade of grass and tiny rock in your backyard. And then to like blow their mind with like twinkling lights and presents. It's just, it's sweet. It's special. Yeah. I was trying to think in my head how we can simplify even more this Mm. whole grief and gratitude phrase. And I'm like, dude, it's just being happy and sad at the same time. (laughs) It's like, it's, and it's all it is. Yeah. And like kind of, like just creating space for that. And like, it's just, it's all messy this yeah, year. It's all messy. We're all a hot mess. And I don't, and it's, just it's kind a, of a shit storm. Stuff. I've been enjoying calling this year a shit storm. It, it has. And like, this is going to sound terrible. Like, I don't even like admitting it, but every day I say to myself, like, Hannah, you need to lower your expectations. Oh, and yeah. Lower your standards here. Like, striving for excellence is something that's kind of like in my bones, but like, this isn't the year for that. This Mm -hmm, is just mm -hmm. the year we need to survive. You know what I mean? And like help get our loved ones through. So, I mean, it may sound crappy, but it's like, lower your expectations a little bit, (laughs) lower your standards a little bit. Like, I hope this question doesn't come off sounding so dark, but do you feel like you've applied that sensation, that concept to being an actor? Cause I know I have. Oh, oh my God. Yes. 
I don't, oh man, it is like, it's bleak right now where I, I don't know from where I'm standing, like there just hasn't, I was able to work in February before everything got crazy, like once. Right. Right. Um, And then there's just been nothing. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but like, you need to have a certain amount of emotional bandwidth to like pursue work. Absolutely. I don't have it. I just don't like I've set one goal for the end, like, okay, by the end of the year, I need to like update and recut my reels, which is something we're going to be tackling a little bit next week. So yeah, no, it's, it's tough. And you know, if I'm going to be frank, like I took most of last year off because I had a baby and then was dealing with like physical and emotional recovery after her birth. And so it's been a couple years before I've really felt busy and, and that's hard. It's like, right. You don't want to, you don't ever want to feel like you're like out of the game, but it feels a little bit like that this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I like people's experiences with mental health and especially with like pregnancy and childbirth are also individual. Yeah. Like there's such a wide spectrum. So I feel like I almost have to give the disclaimer of like, this was just my experience. Like this may not apply to you or this may not, I don't know, some of what I say may not be helpful or particularly insightful because everyone's experiences are so different, especially with like having a child, like for sure. But that's um, been one of my goals of this podcast to offer diverse stories that show just how broad the spectrum is of experiencing depression and other mental health struggles. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, there's so, there's such a spectrum. Um, It comes from so many different places or has the potential to come from so many different places. Yes. Thank Um, you so much for coming on the podcast, Hannah. Of course. I think that these conversations specific to the holidays are, mm. are suddenly becoming so needed oh, as, yeah. as we've watched the COVID numbers spike and everyone's uh, like, oh shit, maybe I have to rethink some things. Oh, and yeah, one thing I'm coming from a place of privilege in the sense that like holidays for me in a normal year are not a painful thing. Like I love my family and being around them is like a warm, fuzzy experience for me. But I know that not everyone has that experience. Like for some people, even in a non-pandemic year, the holidays are really hard. And so I don't, I don't want to sort of um, ignore or gloss over the fact that like not everyone's like, hooray, Christmas. Like for some people, this time of year is difficult in the best of times. And then we've got the added stress of COVID, which I'm sure is really weighty for some people. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Depressed and Shit was recorded in a real live bedroom in Los Angeles, California. Music by Eric England, logo designed by Carrie Weiss, produced and hosted by Real Honest Batch, Liamata. Do you have reactions to today's episode? Do you have an experience with mental health you'd like to share? Or are you the baby angel from the heavens that wants to donate to cover administrative costs and all that fun shit? Email us at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. No asterisk here, folks. That's just the logo. Shit is spelled S-H-I-T. Bye-bye. To repeat, depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. See you next Wednesday.